Yes. All right. Very good. Colossians chapter three. We are uh, uh, starting. Uh, well, we're 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 kind of in our Colossians study, and where it landed in our study, we're going to look at the dynamics of a godly home. Right here in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 18, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things. I'm just going to let that one simmer for just a minute. Amen. In all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening. We're so grateful we have the opportunity to study your word. Lord, I'm so glad that you've given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Lord, I am grateful that you have given us the opportunity to know exactly what, what is expected of us, not just as Christians, but as husbands, as fathers, as wives, as mothers, as children, as young people, uh, even in the role uh, of job and when it comes to government. Lord, you've given us everything that we need. Sometimes we just don't apply it or we don't like it. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us. I pray that you'd encourage our hearts. I pray that you would strengthen us through the truth of your word. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us. Speak through us now. Help us not to preach our own opinion, but be faithful just to preach this book. In Christ's name, we pray all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the reading of the Word of God. If you'll remember, the book of Colossians is the letter to the, to the church of the last days. It's the only other gospel or the only other New Testament book aside from Revelation where we have Laodicea mentioned. Now we know Laodicea represents the spirit of the church of the last days. Now was Laodicea a literal church? Yes, just as much as Colossae was a literal church in the first century. But it's interesting how when you study the seven churches of Revelation, you can see the spirit of those churches, the attitude of those churches throughout church history. And you can even see the attitude of some of those churches in churches today. But we are certainly in the day of Laodicea. And in this book, in this epistle, we have instruction on the home. Let's start in verse 17. Because I want us to remember, remember let the verse 16, the words of Christ dwell in you richly. Verse 17, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of who? Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Now, these are not standalone statements. These all fit together within the context. Remember, Colossians chapter 3 tells us how we're supposed to be living if we are focused in the right direction. Go back, look back at chapter 3, uh, verse 2. Set your affection on what? Things above, not on things on the earth. Mortify, verse 5, therefore your members which are upon the earth. And he goes on to give a list of different things that, that, that are the examples or at least the characteristics of the children of disobedience. Look at verse 8, but now ye also put off all these. And he tells us some of the characteristics were to put off. Then he tells us verse 10, and have put on the new man 
which is renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created Him, where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is in all, uh, Christ is all and in all. And then we have the command again, put on therefore as the elect of God. And then we have the list of, so you see the context of where these verses fall, is how we're to live or how we will live if our affection is on things above. Verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Now, last week was Mother's Day. We dealt with moms and we dealt with what to teach the younger women. But where we're at in the context, we need to hit it again. Because that's where we're at. Amen? So in order for us to have a godly home, the first thing we need to recognize is the area of submission. The area of submission. What what does it mean to submit? What does the word mean to submit? The biblical role of the wife in marriage is to submit to her husband, right? Amen. It's okay to say amen. Don't get me sidetracked now. Amen. The biblical role of the wife is to submit. But what does that mean? What does it mean to submit? A couple of things I want us to notice uh, when we look at this passage. Uh, We already looked at Titus chapter 3 last Sunday, but let's just go back there. We're going to see the same wording, very similar wording. Titus chapter... Two, rather, I'm sorry, Titus chapter 2. And verse 5 to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Now, is submission obedience? No, they're two different things. Obedience is a form of submission, right? It is the, the natural, uh, it is the action that is the natural response to submission. But what is submission? Let's look at 2 Samuel 22. 2 Samuel 22. Verse 45. So we already know that submission and obedience are tied together, but I want us to look at this first mention. 2 Samuel 22, verse 45. Strangers shall submit themselves unto me. As soon as they hear, they shall be what? Obedient unto me. So submission and obedience are tied together. Submission and obedience are tied together. Now let's look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Verse 1. Brethren, 
My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. So you see the compare and contrast. You have God's righteousness and Israel's trying to establish their own righteousness. Absent from God, what does it say? Verse 3, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now, does that mean obedience? No. We see a picture, and if we were to continue this, which we're not going to do all the references this evening, but I encourage you to study this out. The word submission is to yield. It is a yielding to the authority of someone else. That's what submission is. That's why you see submission and obedience so tied together in the Scripture because if you submit to the authority of someone else, you will be obedient recognizing that authority. Here are two objections to submission. This is what sometimes people will say. If I submit, as the wife, if I submit, I will lose my self-worth. If I submit, I will lose self-worth. Now that's just simply not true. I'm going to show you how that's not true by looking at the example in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. The best place to find submission in the Scripture is to look at the Godhead. Now, This is very interesting to me. We all believe in the Trinity, amen? Amen, alright. Brian believes in the Trinity with me. We all believe in the Trinity, amen? Amen. What does it mean? When we talk about the Trinity, we're talking about the Godhead. Is there three gods or one God? There's one God. And that one God is represented by three persons of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, one God. Now notice, the three persons of the Godhead are co-equal, co-eternal, and co-existent. Amen? yet they have roles and responsibilities that are separate from one another. They have roles and responsibilities that are separate from one another. I tell you what, keep your place in John 14. and go. I want John 14 in one hand, and, and I want us to go ahead and have ready Luke. I believe it's 22 in the other. Luke 22. Yeah, keep, so one hand John 14, the other hand Luke 22. Yielding to the authority of another. Okay. Luke 22. Go down to verse 20, uh, 39. 
Let's jump down to verse 39. Let's jump ahead a little bit. And he came out and went as he went to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. So where are we at? We're in the garden. Amen. He's getting ready to pray. This is after the supper. This is before his arrest and crucifixion. Verse 40. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father... If thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Now who is this? This is Jesus. Who is He praying to? The Father. Notice what He says. Nevertheless, not what? My will, but thine be done. What is that? Submission. Submission. But I thought Jesus is God in the flesh. He is. But He came to do the will of the Father. So we have Jesus submitting, yielding Himself to the authority of the Godhead. Why? Well, ultimately it gives us a wonderful picture, doesn't it? A great example. All right, now John. I said 14, I meant 16. I apologize. John 16. Are God the Father and God the Son part of the Godhead? Absolutely. It's not a trick question. They're God. Look at verse 13, John 16, verse 13. How be it when He, He who? The Spirit of truth. So now we know we're talking about the Holy Spirit. When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself... But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Verse 14, he shall glorify who? Me. That's Jesus. So now we have the role of the Holy Spirit, and who does the Holy Spirit submit under? In our example, in our picture of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit submits, he yields to the authority of the Son. The Son yields to the authority of God. Now let me ask you a question. In any of those yieldings, did God the Son or God the Holy Spirit lose some type of self-worth? No. They're still all three part of the Godhead, co-equal, co-existing, co-eternal. The roles are clearly seen in the divine act of creation. God the Father ordained, God the Son spoke, and God the Holy Spirit executed. The choice of the Son to submit to the Father as well as the choice of the Holy Spirit to submit to the Father and to the Son in no way diminishes any of the three. They are still all three God. And yet we see submission. You see, when we take a step back and remove the world's arguments in this whole, well, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Well, that's not a problem with submission. That's a problem with rebellion and pride. And as we teach our children at home, what is rebellion? It's Satan worship. Have you ever thought of that? When you rebel against the authority that God has placed over you, rebellion is as the sin of what? 
I didn't hear it. What? What's witchcraft? Satan worship. When we rebel, the authority, instead of submitting to the role that God has given us. All right. Here's another argument. I told you there were two. If I submit, I will lose my dignity. By submitting, I lose my dignity. That's another argument. Just as God is the head of Christ and Christ is the head of man, so the man is the head of the woman. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Look at verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is who? Christ. Does the man lose dignity because he is submitted to Christ? Then why would it be any different for the woman to submit? Let's keep reading. And the head of the who? Woman is the what? Or I guess is the who. Amen. Now if that makes you angry, you're not mad at me. Because all we did was read the verse. Now let's finish it. And the head of Christ is who? God. There's the submission. Christ submitted to God. God is the head of all things. Amen? And then under Him is Christ, even though they're co-equal, co-eternal, co-existing. And then under Christ... Christ is the head of the man, and the man is the head of the woman. Does any of that say in any of those positions one is less than the other or is less worthy or should be less dignified because they have someone they answer to? No, it's just recognizing the godly authority. The husband does not lose dignity by being in subjection to Christ. The wife does not lose dignity by being in subjection to her husband. Just as the husband finds security in the submission to his head, who is the head of the man? Christ. And when we recognize that my authority in my home is Jesus Christ, you know what happens? I find security in that. He's in charge of me. Did you know there's someone out there who's in charge of you? Well, this is my house. Is it? I built it. I don't care if you cut the logs. Who gave you that home? Right? My daddy built this house. Who gave your daddy the ability to build that house? Right? Nothing in this life is yours. It's all God's. And you belong to Him, men. And so do you, ladies. And when we recognize that, it becomes easier to submit to the authority. It becomes easier to submit, to yield to the proper structure of security. The husband finds security and meaning by submitting to his head, which is Christ. And the wife will find security and meaning and meaning by submitting to her head, which is her husband. Colossians chapter 3. So in order to have a godly home, there must be submission. You say, why are you picking on the wives first? Well, it's just it's the order of the verses. Amen? It's just the order of the verses. 
It starts in verse 7, verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. And then that last phrase, as it is what? Fit in the Lord. You want to know why we have so many homes that are falling apart? Because we don't understand the, godly, the, the dynamics of a godly home. You have a society that tells you that the man is a bumbling buffoon and that the woman is the only one who can make things right. The mentality of the fact that you want to go in and I love this man, he's a hard worker and he's handsome and he's good to me, but yet I want to change some things about him should be so far from your mind that it should seem as sinful as lying. You don't need to change him. If he's not who you want to be, don't marry him. Amen? Amen, amen, and amen. Young ladies... Don't look for someone that might meet some type of checklist, but there's some things that are off, and so you want to change him. If he ain't faithful to church, drop him. He ain't worth your time. If he ain't faithful to this book, get rid of him. He ain't worth your time. Amen, amen, and amen. You want to know what makes it easy to submit and to yield? When you have a husband that recognizes his authority and submits to Christ. Submission. We're not just talking about the submission of the wife here, amen. I hope you notice that 1 Corinthians chapter 11, men, we have an authority. You will give an answer to God. Hey, dad, husband, right here, right here. You will answer to God for your home. You will answer to God for your faithfulness to church, to His Word, to prayer, to tithe, to all that. You will answer to God. And there'll be no excuses. But there's no condemnation. Yeah, your sin won't be held against you, but you've got a work to do. And your work as a husband and father is to lead your home and to provide security that is spiritual for the bride that God gave you. And if you're failing in that, you're not a man who's submitting to Christ. You're weak. Amen. Submission. Verse 19. Husbands, love your wives. Now this is where sometimes, this is where we, you know, sometimes the ladies will get mad. Well, I'm told to submit, but he's just told to love me. Because we have a watered down view of what love is, don't we? We've allowed society. We talked about this in teen, in, in teen class this morning. <clears throat> We're going over the grace gifts, gift of mercy. And someone who has the gift of mercy, they love to love people. And we don't know what that means, biblical love, because we try to define love the way the world defines love, but yet the Bible defines love as a sacrificing of self for someone else. When you say, I love that person, what you're saying is they mean more to me than my own life. That's what love is. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man what? Lay down his life for his friends. I was telling the teens, there was an old... Old, I, I, can't, I thought it was a commercial, but I, it could have just been something that we... I thought it was a commercial when I was in middle school. And then, you know, the guy would be like, Boy, I love this car. And then there'd be that little boy would come up. If you love it so much, why don't you marry it? Anybody remember that besides me? No? Maybe I made it up. Maybe that was something we did in high school and middle school. I don't know. Because that's what we think love is. Oh, love is just marriage and love and marriage. And then, you know, it's just kind of part of it. And eventually it fades away and you got to try to stoke the flame. 
Did you know that's not the dynamics of a godly home? Love. Verse 19 again. Husbands, love your wives. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Now we come here often because it's one of the greatest places. Listen, men, husbands, if you want to know if you are doing for your wife what God expects you to do, look at Ephesians chapter 5 and read it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so that the wives be to their own husbands, their subjection again, in what? Everything. Did you see that? Look at it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24, the last two words. What are you supposed to be in subjection to your own husbands in? Everything. Well, you don't understand. I'm married a knucklehead. Well, I don't know that I'd admit that to people. Amen? Because if you married a fool, what does that make you? Amen? Amen! Beth and I will get giving each other a hard time. and She'll go, well, you're just an idiot. And I said, yeah, but I'm your idiot. Amen? I don't know that I'd be going around admitting that to people. Boy, my child is just a moron. Well, what's that a reflection of? Me. Amen. My mistakes, my mess-ups. So, I'll be honest with you. Never mind. Let's move on. The insubjection and everything. Well, you don't understand. I do understand. God understands. And when these words were penned by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we do believe the Bible's inspired here. Amen. Every word is true, right? Amen. Right? Even the ones that cause us to go, well, I'm not going to listen to that. It's all true. Therefore, or husbands, verse 25, this is where we're trying to get to. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it, that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word, that He may present it to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives, how? As their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. Love. Love is much more than an emotion, it's an action. A husband loves his wife in holiness, purity, example, and sacrifice. And Jesus gave His all for us. He bore reproach and pain and abuse and disrespect, and yet He still loved you. That's Jesus. That's the example of love, and that's how you're supposed to love your wife. I'm going to say that again. In reproach, in pain, in abuse, in disrespect, God still loves you. And that's how you're supposed to love your wife. Husbands are to give their all for their wives regardless of perceived slights. Well, she doesn't listen to me. And again, I don't know that I'd go around admitting that in public. Amen? I remember hearing a story about one of those old talk shows 
those midday talk shows when you're in school and you remember the, the Sally, Jesse, Raphael style stuff and apparently some little man came out and sat down and he's all bruised up and he said, my wife beats me. And I remember hearing the preacher that was telling that story about watching that in the car deal. He was you know, just sitting around with a bunch of preachers. He said, I looked he said, my immediate thought was, if my wife was beating up on me, I wouldn't tell nobody. Amen? I ain't calling the cops. I ain't calling my buddies. I ain't calling nobody. Where'd you get that black eye? Boy, you should see that big old fella I met in the street. He tried to cross my wife and I stood up in front of her. Little does everyone know, she took a baseball bat to the side of your head. Amen? I ain't telling nobody. So I wouldn't be admitting, well, my wife disrespects me all the time. She don't listen to me. She don't, she's so unsubmissive. Do you know what love does? Do you know what love does? What Jesus did. He still set aside His design, His way, His glory to love you in the midst of disrespect, in the midst of reproach, and pain. Now I want us to notice something. The Bible doesn't say love her if she deserves it. When we consider Christ's deity, the fact that He is God and His love for the church, we began to understand the magnitude of the responsibility of love that we as husbands should have for our wives. We are to love our wives like Christ loves the church. Now I want us to notice verse 29. There's two words that stand out that go with this love. No man ever yet hated his own flesh, but what? Nourisheth. What is that? Well, that's to, to feed it, to care for it, right? Nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. Turn to First Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter 2. I promised you ladies on Mother's Day I'd go after the husbands. Amen. And it's not even Father's Day yet, so we still have a month until I get to go after him again from the Bible, alright? So I'm just keeping my promises. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, look at verse 7. Now this is Paul to the church of Thessalonica. We were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. Here we have a wonderful example of what it means to cherish something. Have you ever seen a nurse or a nursing mother with a newborn baby or with children? Well, it's a precious thing, isn't it? Well, it should be a precious thing. To watch those little nurses and, and you in there and you, you see the, the babies behind the glass and they're just, they're just being all gentle, picking up that baby and just patting it on the back and smiling. And what is that? That's cherishing. That's cherishing. Notice, what does the Bible say in Ephesians chapter 5? That husbands, how we ought to love our wives, the same way we love our own bodies. We will nourish ourselves. We will eat. Amen. 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 And Don't act like you don't eat. We all eat. Amen. I like to eat. One of the biggest downsides to having to transfer to Blairsville is on Fridays, Brother Royce and I don't get to go to Daniel's. Well, 
I don't get to go to Daniel's with Brother Royce and them every once in a while, maybe when Beth's out of town or just on a short lunch break, and just gorge myself on popcorn shrimp. Amen. And I miss out. Why? Because I am going to eat when I want to eat. Because that's what we do. We nourish ourselves. I'm hungry. I want some popcorn. What do I do? I go pop me some popcorn. Amen. I'm hungry. I want a steak. What do I do? Honey, tonight I'm grilling steaks. I want some steak. You see, because we'll take care of ourselves, won't we, men? But we'll make sure that we nourish, but then that cherish. Consider in your heart something that you cherish. Something that you take care of. You know, for a lot of men, it's a vehicle. We're in vehicle country. Amen? I've come to accept that. They put that that car museum up there, and I've seen, I've never been in there, but I've seen pictures, and boy, people take care of their vehicles, don't they? Do you take care of your wife better than you take care of your vehicle? Do you cherish her? Now, I know I'm stepping on toes. I know it. That's why I took my glasses off. I can't see your faces. Do you take care of her better than that thing that you cherish? Better than you cherish yourself? You bathe yourself, you shave, you put on deodorant, you get dressed, you try to look good, you cherish yourself. That's what cherishing is. As a nurse, nurse cherisheth a baby or children. That's how Paul cared for the Thessalonians. And that same word is the word that's used here as how a man ought to love his wife. He ought to cherish her. That's why, okay, look at 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's just look at it real quick. 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs, how? Together. That doesn't sound like someone's better than the other. Right? You're heirs together, notice, of the grace of life. For what purpose? That your prayers be not hindered that your prayers be not hindered. I want us to notice something. Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. What is that? That's cherishing her. That's lifting her up. Man, I tell, listen, I tell people all the time, I brag on Beth all the time. I've done it so much that I've had ladies that I work with in the past tell me, you think your wife's the greatest woman on earth? And to which I reply, yes, I absolutely do. I don't understand. Well, I got to be careful to say this, but 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 men that that go after younger ladies and ruin their marriages. I don't understand that. I don't get that. There is nothing that a younger woman has or an older woman has on my wife and the stuff that she's put up with for over 12 years. Amen. And the fact that she's sticking with me You know what I'm doing? I'm cherishing her. Now, do I do that all the time? No, because I'm not perfect. The best of men are men at best. But when I don't, do you know what you got to do, men? Go back to 
Colossians. I want us to see something. We didn't finish the rest of verse 19. We're going to finish it right here. We spend a lot of time on the husbands and wives because the role of the children is easy. So you have submission. You have love. Two more things. But before we get there, I want to finish up verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. What does that mean, bitter against them? Well, if we were to take the time to do the word study, and I encourage you to look at Exodus chapter 1, we'll see the first time the bitterness shows up, and you were to study that out, that word word bitter has the connotation of a cruelty, a sharpness. And when the Bible talks about being not bitter against them, it's not talking about having bitterness in your heart. It's talking about how you treat them that would bring about bitterness. Bitter against them. Are you a cruel husband or are you a loving husband? You see how the words define themselves. Even the love, right? Your wives and be not bitter against them. Are you cruel? Are you sharp? Are you hateful? Or are you loving? That's the question. Now wives, do you submit husbands? And again, what is submission? It is a recognizing of the godly authority. Hey, let me tell you something. If your husband comes to you and says, listen, I want to start reading the Bible with you, and you laugh at him, that's not submitting to the authority. Well, he's never done that. Well, you know what he's doing? He's trying to lead the home the way God wants him to. And he's trying to be the man that you need in your home, right? It's a recognizing of the authority and you're yielding to that authority. And then in love, what is the love? The love is being nourishing and cherishing and not bitter, cruel, sharp toward your wife. And then verse 20, children, obey your parents. In what? All things. Now, before we move on to the children, I want to ask you a question. Children, obey your parents in what? All things. Do we believe that, okay, because of this verse, children ought to be obedient unto their parents in everything, right? In all of the things. All right, back to Ephesians chapter 5. There's a reason we emphasized this a minute ago. Verse 24, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in what? Everything. Everything. There is an expectation of submission. But in that expectation of submission, there's an expectation of a Christ-like love from the husband. Regardless regardless of whether or not you believe she's fulfilling the expectation of submission. No excuses. All right, back to Colossians. Verse 20, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. 
Wives, the Bible says that you submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. That's acceptable. That's worthwhile. It's worthy. Children, you obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. We've been trying to teach our children. We've always said that you obey, uh, that delayed obedience is disobedience. Now we're trying to tailor that as they get older to immediate obedience in the right spirit. Immediate obedience in the right spirit. Children ought to obey their parents. Amen? And at what point are you no longer children? When you can take care of yourself. That's the biblical example. So if you're 30 years old, and we don't have anyone like this here that I know of right now, right? Okay. If you're 30 years old and you're still living with mom and dad and they pay the mortgage and they buy the groceries, and they, you are still a child. So whatever mom and dad say, do it. Amen. Well, but, not, but, but I could join the military. Well, what's stopping you then? You think mom and dad are bad? Amen. Go to boot camp. Join the military. Well, now, I'm being a little facetious in that statement, but, but it's still true. You don't get to disrespect your parents when you're a child. And that way, when you're older, you're still not going to disrespect your parents. What's going to happen? You're going to honor them, right? You're going to honor them. Proverbs 22, quickly. Proverbs 22, in verse number 6. Parents, is it important that our children be obedient? Yeah, amen. Absolutely it is. Then Proverbs 22 and verse 6 ought to convict our hearts. What's the first word in that verse? Train. Train up a child in the way he should go. Do you know the problem in modern homes since about the 1980s? We no longer train our children in the way they should go. We teach our children submission to authority, and they should be seen and not heard, that whole type of mentality, right? And when an adult tells you to do something, you do it. As long as you're not telling you to do something bad, you, you do what you're told to do, you listen. You don't run. When dad says stop, you stop. We're teaching our children submission but we're not training them in the way they should go. How do we train our child in the way they should go? By training them in the Scriptures. By training them in the Word of God. If you have a child that does not listen, there's one remedy for that. The Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. There is one remedy for a child. Uh, there was, uh, uh, I think it was, it was an, uh, a James Dobson book, The, Str the Strong-Willed Child, or something like that. Anybody remember that, The, the Strong-Willed Child? My mom never read that book. She had some strong-willed children. Do you know what she said? I don't need anybody to tell me what the Bible already says. Spare the rod and spoil the child. Look, there's no little well if you give them a little time. No. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. 
You have to start now by establishing the authority and you, you say, well, the, I, I, just, I, want, I don't want them to fear me. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Amen. You want your child to grow up and be wise or be foolish? And we need to train them up the right way, right? Now, I know a lot of you in, in, are at the place in life where you, your children are, are you know, they're, they're, tra- they're moved out. They're gone. They're trained. Understand that. It's just where we're at. Some of you still have children at home. You say, well, they're old enough. Do they take care of themselves? Do they buy their own groceries? Do they pay their own cell phone bills? Do they pay for their car insurance? Well, they work for it. Are they paying their own mortgage? Would they be able to survive? Maybe, but they're still at home. They're your children. You need to train them. Every stage of life is different. We're entering that stage of life. I just thought the other day. I've been thinking constantly over the past few weeks. In the fall, Jade's going to the sixth grade. You know what that means? She'll be in youth group. Next year, she'll be going to teen camp. And I am really, really praying for the rapture before then. Amen. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. All right. Why? Because it terrifies me to raise a teenager. Children are easy. Now, I say that a little bit. They're easy because, you know, of that woman... That's back there. Amen? That makes it a little bit easier. That makes it a lot easier. I'm just going to tell you right now. But to take and to transform a little girl and to mold her into a godly woman keeps me up at night. You know why? Because it's a weighty responsibility. And and can I go ahead and just share something with you? Most men in today's society, you want to know why our women don't like the thought of submission? Because we've allowed them to bear out the witness that we're buffoons and we just live up to the low bar. It's a low standard. It's easy to live up to a low standard, isn't it? It's easy. It's often said in work, you know, you've got sales goals to meet. And if you over, over exceed the sales goals, what do the CEOs think next year? Well, you're going to meet those same higher standards. So what do you do? You come in right at where you're supposed to be. So that next year they don't increase it by like 30 more sales or, or whatever industry you're in. Why? Because a low bar is easy to, to meet. If all I got to do is go to work and put money in the bank and, 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 and don't yell every day, if that's all I got to do, man, I can do that. That's not a godly home. And that's not going to help our young people grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We have a responsibility. So I thought you were talking about children. We're talking about obedience. Who teaches the children obedience? One more verse. I know, I know we're going a little over. I don't think choir is going to take that long. We've practiced this song. We've just had a few weeks off. We'll sing next Sunday, Glad Reunion Day. It'll be a simple song, all right? Won't be a problem. And I, I don't know if any church is coming from anywhere. Amen? I don't. I promise, I promise, I don't right now. If they do, I'll, I'll let y'all know Sunday morning before we get up. You'll see everybody. Amen? Amen. All right. Look at verse. Look at verse. I'll never live that down. Look at verse 21. Colossians chapter 3. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. 
Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. Do you know what it means to provoke, to prod, to push? How do you provoke your child to anger? That anger there. If we, we're, we're, we're moving quickly. I want It's the last point. We're going to finish this. That anger, that frustration, that discouragement. We'll see that in just a moment. How do we avoid from doing that? By training them in the way of God. Have you ever heard this statement, rules without reason lead to rebellion? There comes a point when a child is, say, Juliet's size, where you do it because mom and dad said so, because you're teaching them obedience. But when they become a teenager, you have to not only tell them this is what you do, but you train them and this is why you do it this way. Because if you don't, they'll become frustrated and they'll think that mom and dad are just making stuff up. They don't recognize the fact that it's for their protection. You say, I don't have to reason with a child. Then you're not training them properly. You don't reason with little kids. But when the kid is old enough to place their faith and trust in Christ alone, they're old enough to reason from Scripture. The Holy Spirit's in them. Amen. So what do you do? You train them. If not, what, do you, what happens? You provoke them to anger, lest they be discouraged. Numbers 32. I want us to look at something. Numbers 32. Numbers 32. <clears throat> Here we have the story of the children of Reuben and the children of Gad. Look at verse 1. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazir and the land of the Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and Eleazar the priest and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, Adaroth and Dibon and Jazer and Nimrah and uh, Heshbon and Elila uh, uh, and Shebam and Nebo and Beon, uh, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession... And bring us not over Jordan. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war? And shall ye sit here? And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them? Thus did your fathers when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. Now what's Moses referring to there? Talking about the twelve spies, right? The twelve spies that were to go into the land and they were going to go see the land and spy it out. And remember the ten were bad and the two were good. For when they went up unto the valley of Eshkel and saw the land, they what? Discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. We see this word discourage in the Scripture. This word discouraged is tied to giving up or retreating. You know what's sad about that story about the twelve spies? When you read that passage there in Numbers 32, 
Moses reminds Gad and Reuben the Lord had already given them the land. And they were discouraged. Notice what it says. Verse 9 again. They saw the land uh, uh, and saw the land. They discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. What did they do? They gave up. We can't, we can't defeat the giants. We can't make it in there. We can't accomplish what, what we're supposed to. There's no way. They didn't recognize God had already given them the land. Now, back to Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. That confusion, that frustration. Lest they be what? Discouraged. Lest they give up. I can't do it anyway. I don't even know how to do it. I can't live for God. I don't even... Right? Lest they be discouraged. And whose responsibility is that? According to verse 21, very first word. Fathers. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Dynamics of a godly home, submission, love, obedience. The final one I didn't give to you, but proper training. Submission, love, obedience, and proper training. So many of our young people, they grow up and they get out of church because they just haven't had proper training. They don't know how to live in this world the way that God desires them to live because they weren't discipled as children ultimately. And whose responsibility is it to disciple children in the home? Well, it's mom and dad's. That's mom and dad's. It's our responsibility. It's no one else's. It's important that we recognize. You say, well, I've already failed in a lot of these areas. Then fix it now. Going forward, God, I'm going to... I'm going to have a home that honors you. Ladies, you pray, God, I I, I want to be the type of wife that honors you, that's fit in you, that yields to the authority you've given me, that you've laid out in Scripture. Husbands, I I, I, I want to be the husband that you desire, that God desires me to be for my wife and to love. The Bible says in the book of Corinthians, to render unto the wife due benevolence, that kindness, that care, that compassion. I I don't want to be sharp and cruel. I want to be loving. I want to cherish that wife like a nurse cherisheth. A, a, a child, I want to I wanna lift her up and honor her like the weaker vessel, like one that's going, that, that could break in my hands because she's so precious to me. God, help me be that kind of husband. Children, God, help me to be obedient. The spirit of rebellion has marked this age. Children determine now, God, I just want to be an obedient child. Fathers, Help me to train up my children. Whatever amount of years I have left with them. And the ones that are already gone, help me to show them by example what maybe I failed to show them or didn't show them the greatest. Help me to live it now by being loving to my wife. 
having a godly home. 